Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Berman's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 164. That is Mookie Backman Dykstra. Mookie Backman Dykstra, coming at you. Coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. There's a lot of snow, you guys. All over the place. It's the Ready to Unload radio podcast type program. We're going to talk New York sports and other stuff. Nice. This is episode number 164. It is Thursday night. It is 10 p.m. I am one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro, also known as Sam Pete. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. We're streaming live at Blog Talk Radio, and it's available on iTunes and Stitcher. Good. That's out of the way. Great. We have a ton to get to tonight, a ton to talk to these two guys about, my buddies, these guys. I love these guys. These guys. I can't. I love these guys. All right. Uh, and we're also going to be joined by uh, an old friend of ours, a guy named Jay Linder, a professional bon vivant. He's gone pro. We're going to be talking about the Olympics later, so it's appropriate. He's given up his amateur status and gone pro. He's a professional bon vivant. So he can't compete in the Olympics anymore. <laughs> in the bon vivant-offs. Bon vivant-offs. Anyway, uh, let's bring in the co-host of the program. Uh, he's a good buddy of mine. He yeah. really is. He's direct from an engagement in Helena, Montana. Hell. Helena Handbasket, Montana, where he slayed with his Nutella routine. Kills. The Nutella stuff kills. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Steve, that's such nice things you have to say about me. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's amazing to me that that material still works, but the Nutella bit, which is filthy, by the way. Filthy. I mean, filthy. You, when you talk about the special Nutella packs that you get in the store, like the single-serving pack, and what you do with the sticks, that is 
filthy. And then I talk about the two packs. The two packs. The doubles. Right. And you bring Biggie into it and everything. It just, it doesn't go over as well as you'd expect. I would think in Montana that would play really well. Well, that's why I keep trying it out. And and time and time again, it just just falls flat on its face. You just keep rolling that bit out over and over again. I'm I'm gonna find the place where it where it kills. You, I know I am. You, <laughs> I'm thinking a prison somewhere, perhaps, <laughs> because I can never look at a Nutella stick again the same way. Let's play Nutella sticks. It, see, it's just it's no. filthy. It's filthy. How are you, buddy? Other I'm than the, uh, the the shoveling. I'm good. I mean, enough with the winter, really. Are you uh, officially on that? I am. I am. And, you know, for the longest time, I was, like, I was in the camp of, you live in New York, it's the winter, it snows, shut up. Get out of my face. All right? Just deal with it. And I was like that. And now I'm at the point where, okay, yeah, I live in New York, and yes, I know it snows, but I don't want any more. You're good. I'm done. We're all set. I'm done. It's a lot. We're all set here with the snow. How do you like do you like this much snow? I'm not bothered. It doesn't bother you. I am nonplussed. Well, you also public transportation helps you a little bit. Correct. So, that that you take that element out of it. I also am just a not really affected by the weather where I live. It's just oh, well, except for the time that the tornado landed on your house. That's correct. Literally, <laughs> swept through my one street. Block. Your street, one street in Bayside. I was just uh, looking at the pictures from that cow because I was going through my old netbook and I was backing up all my photos. How long ago was that? Man? That was the summer of 2010. It was August of 2010. Holy cow! And the Photos of that tornado, which literally hit on my street in Bayside, went right down, went right down my street, and ripped up trees, crushed cars. I mean, and I have uh, about fifteen photos of it, Bry. Mm-hmm. I I had forgotten. That was how, crazy. That was crazy pants. How bad it was. Yeah. Go back and listen to episode twelve. I, I think, think it's it episode was. twelve. Yeah. I Whatever think we, it was. We, we you... had been doing the show for about. Six months, but you were, in, you were filing a report from the field. That's right. I actually called in. That was not. But I, I when it comes to the snow and stuff, I, it's sort of like howling at the moon to me. I mean, it just it is what it is. Right. Well, do you shovel your driveway? I do. Okay. You're gonna think this odd. I like it. I've I like. I've, I've seen your driveway, and it's cute. It's cute. It's a cute driveway. I could see how you'd like that. It's a it's a way. I wouldn't even call it a driveway. Well, how it's, long? About twenty minutes to knock that no, out. No, no, no. It's long, buddy. It's long. It's not wide, but it's, it's long. It's long, doctor. That's true. You also have the added uh, degree of difficulty in that it's extremely narrow, and our houses are right on top of each other. Right. Because I live in Queens in 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 New York, and there's nowhere for the snow to go. That's, nowhere that's to, true. Nowhere to put the snow. There's an entire portion of the driveway that I have to transport the snow <laughs> to the front yard. So it's this. No, that's a good. You're a good hour, hour and a half, easy. Wow. Yeah. No, that's it's. A, hey, okay. it, it's no joke. It's no joke. 
It's oh no! Stop! No, Joe! No, don't! That's awful. There's a ton of sports to talk about tonight. I want to get to it because uh, we're going to have our buddy Jay in to talk about it. But you wouldn't think in the middle of February that there would be this much to talk about. But there, there is an Olympic Games, which we are big fans of. Michael Sam, of course, made his historic announcement. And I, I have a ton I want to talk to you guys about with that. Because um, that's been a topic around the uh, the water cooler, the coffee coffee station, the Kerrig machine. Is that where, is that where you congregate now? That's what we call it now. It's a hot topic around the Kerrig. Kerrig or Keurig? I don't know. Okay. Kyrig. Right. How about Kyrie? The G silent. Oh. Didn't see that coming, did you? I could I could get on board with that. You can? Are you sure? And then there's the uh, uh the Derek Jeter. Wait, hold on. Moment of silence. Let's just I didn't I didn't uh, You're going to be okay. Come on, George. Come on. It's it'll be all right. See, I went deep cut on you there. Did you get the Come on, George? I think I did. What is that? Is that from Seinfeld? No. No. Every Met fan should get that. Oh. Is that George Foster? No. Yeah, George George Foster shedding tears. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, yes. When, uh, when Tom Seaver was traded. That's correct. Right. Whose name is? Tom Seaver. <laughs> Whose name is? George. Thanks. George Thomas Seaver. Yes, that's correct. That's his name. That's his given name. And on the night he was traded from the, uh, from the Mets to the Cincinnati Reds, the organization that he had spent his entire career with, traded by M. Donald Grant <clears throat> in the Monday Midnight Massacre, that also saw Dave Kingman shipped out of town. Still not over that one either. Yeah, but you know who came back in that trade? Yes. In the Kingman trade? Yes. Who was it? I don't know who came. Who you don't know? I don't. Very signif- extremely significant if you're a Mets fan. Wait, so Kingman was traded to... Where was he traded to? He was traded to San Diego. San Diego. There were more principles in the trade, but all I remember is Dave Kingman went to San Diego and... Randy Jones? Bobby Valentine. Oh, was traded but, to the Mets. I thought he was on the Dodgers, though. He was not not during that trade. Oh, and you can and you know you can look it up just to to verify that I'm right. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> ba- Bobby, and and the four Reds. You know the four Reds. Yes, everybody knows the four Reds. I mean, even even PJ knows the four Reds. Who? What? There's a baseball team called the Reds? Did somebody say PJ? Are they <laughs> hungry as a gremlin? Are they from Russia? How is this allowed to happen during the Red Menace? <laughs> uh, PJ should probably play his theme music if, if he, he was, was if he was paying attention. Is he with us? 
he would play his theme music. Here he comes. Well, I know I did that. Oh. Again, always imagine him walking into a room. Just, he just walks in with a guitar. There he Look who's here. It's Bishop. I just did a triple axle, triple toe loop to the phone. Is that what that noise was? That's not a real thing. Come on. I took out the coffee table on the way, but... The Kyrie? Did you coffee stick this is the Kyrie? The G Asylum? <laughs> Did you stick the landing? The Scotty Four Hamill? Reds had a hit in 1968 with Bernadette. Bernadette! You got me on my knees! And they were Dan Norman, Doug Flynn. Oh. Pat Zachary. <laughs> And, oh, Steve Henderson. Simpsons yes. creator Matt Groening. And Simpsons creator Matt Groening, oddly, in the Tom Seaver trade to the Reds. <laughs> One of the four Reds. One of the four Reds. Oh, okay. Hi, then Paige. I probably didn't know what you meant. No. You, That's all right. We really are taking you away from your Super Bowl right now, aren't we? I have had the TV on round the clock. I just love. on, on, just on what? turned on, no station on, just on. Oh, that's a to the real, NBC networks, you silly nabobs. That's a real waste of electricity. I know. You, watching uh, the MSNBC, watching the NBC SN, watching NBC. Where do you find the, the best programming? Which, which of the networks? Which of the NBCs is bringing it? The ones who do it live. NBC Plus? The is taped highlights are... The taped highlights are no good. They're, they're, they're leaving out more than half the athletes. On purpose? The skating that they're showing right now obviously took place hours ago. There was massive drama, unbelievable injuries and wipeouts, and they're showing about four skaters and behaving like it's live. It drives me nuts. Wait, no, oh, oh, that's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Are they, are they presenting the broadcast as if it were live? or Totally. Like, well, certainly, but are they, certainly are they, the are people they, calling the event are acting like it's happening right now. I mean, Scott Hamilton is calling an event to pre-taped skating. And he's acting like, oh, this is, you know, what's going to happen? Oh, I hope he makes this jump when he knows full well whether or not the skater makes it or doesn't make it. He's saying it with a wink and a nod, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, the live event was called by Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski. Scott Hamilton Hamilton does just about pretty much everything with a wink and a nod, Cal. Yeah, he's... Pretty much. He's kind of a... picking up his dry cleaning, whatever it is. He's a jolly old elf, that guy. (laughs) He really is. Hello, really Mr. Hamilton, is. your pants are ready. Your pants are ready. That's fantastic. <laughs> you absolutely stuck it with my pants. <laughs> I like Triple toe loop. We were watching it last night uh, with Teresa. Teresa loves the Winter Olympics, loves them. Loves the Olympics in general. Really likes the Winter Olympics. Loves the skating, the skiing. And mm. so we were, we were watching it last night. We were watching the, uh, the figure skating doubles. Uh, Paris, but I don't know what's the proper. I feel like 
I feel like we shouldn't be talking about this. We're going to have a discussion well, I, about Michael Sam, and I... We're going to talk about Michael Sam. I can't even get past this. Um, no, but the, uh, the the skating pair's long form. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the excitement with that Russian team. But that was that had to be the greatest, perhaps maybe your greatest ice skating watching moment of all time, PJ, when... This unbelievable duo is winning a gold medal to the music from Jesus Christ Superstar. It was pretty nifty. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I was just envisioning your head exploding somewhere in Freehold, New Jersey. Too much. <laughs> it's it's that it's that nexus of musical theater meeting ice dancing. <laughs> Which, by with the way, me watching and everyone going, "You're married, right? <laughs> you you sure you're married?" Uh, and, by, and, and by the way, think about what you just said. Mm-hmm. The meeting of musical theater and ice dancing. Is this not Reese's here? I mean, is this not chocolate and peanut butter? These things should, it be, should going be chocolate together. and peanut butter, but they don't. You don't see a lot of Broadway you stuff don't. as backing music. No, it's usually Why film not? or classical. It's really weird, Cal. You don't like like um, the other pairing, or I, who I believe got the bronze uh, peach used Les Mis, right? Yeah. And yeah, that was, I was like, China. wow, two two musical uh, Les Mis was from China. I believe I that was a Chinese to, pair. I, I need to. I think Les Mis takes place in France. Yes, sung with English accents by American actors. <laughs> in China. In China. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that was like two in a row. I was thinking, man, this should happen way more often. Like, seems like pretty fertile ground there to use yeah. musical theater for ice dance. I can remember maybe some West Side Story once, but it really doesn't happen a lot. Hasn't somebody done Grease at some point? No. No? Who did I, Grease? Maybe, on, maybe not in the Olympics. Right. So, yeah, that would be like a Stars on Ice type thing. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Which is where I you know cut you go teeth. to the stars on ice as often as you that, can, Cal. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm a big fan of that. That's where you cut your teeth, Peach. It's usually Smucker's stars on ice. That's correct. That's where PJ fell in love with figure skating. Okay. Yes. Because he used to, uh, Cal, at, at uh, his job as a, an audio and video uh, engineer and sound and video editor and whatnot, one of their contracts was with uh, Schmuck, Smucker's. Not Schmuckers. Not Schmuckers. With a that's name a like that's a different one. With a name like Smuckers, we were it's out of our minds. It's Schmucklace. Um, yeah, I was really? I was doing a skating show and I, I got schooled um, by a producer who was also a producer of uh, rugby programming and worked at MLB. But at the time he was doing some skating stuff, I made a little sideways comment, and uh, he taught me all about the athleticism of these people. Um, and I gained a respect for it. Yeah, no, and, and you've been uh, entranced ever since. But you're, you're an Olympics guy. We've talked about He's this. He's up with the entranced. <laughs> oh, too soon? Uh, no I don't soon? know about entranced. Hey, look, all right, I'm entranced. If the trance fits, wear it. Okay, buddy? All right. Enthralled. If you, why have the Americans done so poorly in, um, in the in the skating? I don't think they've done well. There was a great Slate article about the two uh, women. One is uh, named Gold, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I was like, that's, n- that's not... A little that's, on the nose. Yeah, I'm like, that's not real, is it? Come on, that's not a real name. Um, and then the other girl is uh, like this blonde sort of vamp. Ashley. That they, yeah, that they've really... Is her name Tara Bronze? Her name's Tara Bronze. <laughs> She's got no shot. You're projecting Gracie, here. You're projecting. Gracie Gold and, and, and Ashley Bronze. Um, no, but they've Ashley really... Morgan. Right, they Cal, they've really like totally pigeonholed these girls into like their she's the good girl who likes to go to the mall with her friends and the, she's the bad girl who's on Twitter something. I don't know. So even in the Olympics there are narratives. That's correct. And and oh. like forced. No. Like they make they make the jet narratives look kind. Yikes. Like these girls have no choice. This is the way they're, and then of course the 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 Morgan girl dropped like an an f bomb or a BS or something the other day, didn't she? Yeah, she um she was. There was like uh, a great gif. There was a great uh, gif of her, Cal, saying uh, when her scores came in, mouthing "This is BS," but, but <laughs> saying it. <laughs> great. So she played. She played right, her. She played right. Well, of course you're not. They've told you not to be. No, no. I'm, yes, I'm yes. Not a bit. No, she she's a little bit too into too much of uh, I'm terrific and I'm super and I deserve to be here. And that's the bill you've been sold, my friend. You've been sold a bill of goods. That's no. who they want. That's what they want you to believe. He got narrated. He got narrated. You you done got narrated. I, I didn't. It sounds like something out of a bad Spike Lee movie. <laughs> You, in, you in general, you, you could expect most athletes when they're in the interview portion. Um, narrative. That's the follow-up. Say he got game. <laughs> they used to say stuff like, you know, I'm just so proud to be here and skate for my country and stuff. And they're not saying that this year. Most of the athletes this year are just talking about, you know, I worked on myself and I'm I'm really proud to be here and you know this is my moment and me 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 me. It's a very egocentric um, narrative, if you will. It's a Gen Y uh, Olympics. Millennials or millennials? Well, yeah, we're past Gen Y. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's going to be forty in about ten days. I don't know who. I do. Well. <laughs> and it ain't me. Oh. And Pete, oh, and I gotta buy you a bottle of scotch. Do you drink scotch? I do now. <laughs> Didn't want to, but turning forty—that's the rules. Also, this is the alcohol of your choice. One of the things we talked about, Peach, we've been talking about quite a bit because we're all turning forty at the same time. The the our our particular core four, right? Uh, me, Cal, Doctor Ray Stat, and our and Jeter and our buddy and Jeter. Core five. He's one of them. Uh, yeah, he's. He's an associate. Oh, but uh, me, Cal, Dr. Eraystat, Ev, and um, Dan and uh, Nello are all turning 40 this year, and we're all pretty much four months apart. You know, three or four three. months – or three months apart. Thank you. Right. Three, three. Quarterly. Well, right. That's correct. <laughs> there are 16 months this year. <laughs> they, they, they've changed it. It's a, it's, a leap, it's a leap year, so there's extra months. <laughs> this four extra months. Oh. Only when there's an Olympics, they do four extra months. So. I don't know how they got everybody to agree to this. Nobody knows. Yeah. But um, so we're all three months apart. So Cal, February, me, uh, May, Dan, end of August, and then Evan in November. 
And one of the things that came up early on as we've talked about how we're going to celebrate this year of 40 was the sketch on Saturday Night Live, Middle-Aged Man, which was a Mike Myers sketch um, that at the time, what were we, Cal, 24, 25 maybe? Oh, we if, were younger. Yeah, we were younger than that. You're right. You were probably late teens, early 20s. I would say late 80s, early 90s. I feel like that's because Farley's in that sketch. Maybe 90, Almost 91. Almost have been the late 60s, early 70s. Probably <laughs> <It's> the like, <laughs> 50s. <laughs> Frankie Valli was, was in that It sketch. was 1941. It was the dawn of television. <laughs> Cal and Steve watched a skit. So back in hour. So back in thirty seven, when we were in that covered wagon heading out west <laughs> to the Dust Bowl. We no, we um because Farley's in that sketch, so you're right, it's probably like ninety, ninety one, so we're sixteen, seventeen years old. And um that sketch has all entirely new meaning now. There's so many lines that at the time you're like, Oh, that's kinda of funny or whatever that are absolutely completely Fantastic. <laughs> and that sketch has become sort of our, the thematic background for this year. And it replete, replete with, you know, I'm working on it. You're looking at my gut, aren't you? I'm working on it. <laughs> and his pal, his, his pal drinking buddy, buddy, right, which was Farley. And there was like, a, you know, a bit about how he, he knows everything about everything and he can fix like a lawnmower and just like stupid stuff. That's uh, we're we're all four of us turning into middle-aged men, uh, which makes you drinking, buddy, Peach. So, again, back to the scotch. You're okay. Gladly. Though, right? Yeah, uh, Jay Linder's going to call in in a couple minutes. Before he does that, guys, let's just um, let's do the uh, the promotion for the episode because we are sponsored tonight yet again. We do have our sponsor, so let me just do this real quickly. That episode number 164 of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is brought to you by No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow, an evening with Carol Ann Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas. The No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow is an in-the-round collaborative project, an evening of great music uh, and great entertainment. Uh, Jay Mafale in the Yayas is one of our buddies, a big supporter of the show. He's done sound for our live remotes. He uh, and his wife, who are the Ayaz, uh, have put this together with uh, Carol Ann Solabello and Karen Oliver. It's great. Uh, there's a video of it on YouTube uh, that you can go to. Go to YouTube, obviously, YouTube.com, and search No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Or uh, go to the Facebook page. That's uh, Facebook.com backslash No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Um, and check it out. They have a big gig coming up uh, on March 11th as part of uh, WFUV's uh, uh, night. <laughs> they have a, uh, they're playing in Montclair, New Jersey on April 25th now. That's another gig they've added. Uh, so go to the webpage. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, they put on a great show. I'm sure there's an album coming with this eventually, uh, hopefully. Uh, we're going to go see them on March 11th. We're going to go that night. And, uh, and go check them out. So go to their page, check out their stuff, check out their individual stuff because they're all fantastic solo artists as well and the Yaya's are uh, awesome. Uh, the music's really, really good, you guys. 
So they are our proud sponsors for the show. Again, go to www.facebook.com backslash No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. And I'm looking at their Facebook page right now. It, uh, it's awesome. It's very awesome. Oh, they're playing March 7th as well. March 7th concert at Burlap and Bean Live. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> the great thing about Jay, I've known Jay for a few years now. He's a wonderful musician. He's a really good friend. Um, he gave us a number of great fun loads. He gave me another one for tonight if we want to use it later with Linder. Um, he's just a great guy. Super talented musician. Um, but he... <laughs> We have such a good time with the names of all the conferences and stuff. They're, they're pre- the Yaya's are pretty big in the folk world. They're, they've done really, you know, they've played all the festivals and they've done really well for themselves. And the conferences are called like the Southeastern Folk Regional Alliance or SERFA. <laughs> then there's the Northeast Regional Folk Alliance, NERFA. So, like, he'll just, you know, he'll have something in our calendar at work, like, Jay out at Nerfa. <laughs> I'm like, I so want to go to Nerfa. Uh, but they've, they've played in Kerrville in Texas, which is a very big folk festival. Um, they, they're, they're, they're awesome. So go check that out. They are our sponsors for the show. <clears throat> and we should have, uh, as I said, Jay Linder should be calling in any moment. He has the number, Cal. Well, then I trust that he'll call. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm and not one, worried. And, and, and the first thing we're going to address with uh, Mr. Linda is um, – and, and I'm going to segue into this because I'm sure he's going to call in a minute or so um, – is uh, this is the big unload. The big unload is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, in a letter to Facebook, I guess – I don't think anybody saw that coming. No. If this – At all. If there's one... There it is. Fat guy dancing. That would be... That would be me. Um, <laughs> welcome to the big unload. Ready to unload the big unload. Uh, no, if there was one shocking moment of this, it was that Derek Jeter... Not that he announced his retirement, but that he did so in an open letter to Facebook. Well, when I when I let you guys... Because I, I guess I saw the news first. I didn't... I, I didn't break the news. Yeah, look, there's no. So we we don't we don't play. Oh, we don't do that. Report yeah, first by Cal. No, we don't. Yeah. I thought that's <laughs> RTU's what RTU's Cal has. But when I first said it broke, and I and I sent you guys a message, and right away Dr. Ira was like fake. Like, yeah, he thought it was a hoax. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, I guess it could be. Like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, I guess it, I guess it could be fake. It. Derek Jeter and Facebook, you wouldn't expect that he would announce his retirement that way. But indeed, that's what it was. He, he, he took to the Facebook pages and he, he crafted a, a really, it was, I have to say, it was a well-written message to his fans. It, no, it, it, it absolutely was. Do you think he wrote it? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know if he sat down at a computer and typed it himself. Was it like Doogie Howser? I did, did, do, 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 and he narrated it as he's just holding up the iPhone to the right. to the screen, like going <laughs> hitting delete. I'd like to think he penned hey, it. Hey, hey, dude. On paper. Hey, Jeets. What are you writing there? 
Well, uh, Vinny, we're just going to take it one game at a time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if that's what he wrote in his Doogie Hauser? Like, that's how he started the letter? And it was, it was just all these cliches. Just cliches. Right. Everything. We're going to take it one game at a time. Hopefully, I just hope to help the team. And, like, right. he, he writes, I hope to help myself, and then deletes, and then puts team. That would be great. His, his Doogie Hauser. Doogie Howser diary entries are all cliches. Um, it was it was quite eloquent. I think he wrote it. I th- I think those were his words, but I don't think he actually posted it to Facebook. I'm going first draft. You think? I think he gave it a pass and he passed it on to a publicist. I'd like to think he wrote. He sat down with a pen and paper and hand wrote it out. <laughs> Derek you know? Jeter hasn't handwritten anything in probably about 15 years. Well, other, other than other than the notes on the, the gift basket that he gave, there it is. On that yeah, note, let's bring Linda in. Oh, he's here. Good. Here now, folks. Uh... Just a a little reminder to everybody out there. Jay Linder is a professional bon vivant. Please do not try to bon vivant in the manner that he does at home. And be prepared for it, too, because sometimes it's yeah, it's overwhelming. He is a professional bon vivant. Do not try this at home. Hi, Jay. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hey, we're, we're good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I, I, uh, I have, I have an opinion. Uh, forgive me for just jumping right in and skipping the pleasantries, but I, I have a, a pretty strong opinion on this cheater business and Facebook. You may dismiss with the pleasantries, Commander. You weren't on any mercy mission this time. I'd like to say hello first. I, well, yeah, I'm sorry. We're going okay, to. Right, right, right. Well, you, you know what? You're right. You're right. We're all, we're all family here. But let's, 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 let's talk. How's everybody doing? How are you? Jay, how are you doing with the snow? That's all I want to know about um, tonight, is how people are handling the um, snow. I'm okay. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I live in the um, the sleepy suburb that is Harlem, New York City. And we've had a lot of snow. I actually shoveled twice before 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, oh. You know, me, me, me and the mayor. And, uh, <laughs> well, you had to get to school. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, no, trust me, I had to put my son on the bus at seven o'clock this morning. Um, I know. Uh, you know, and all and all I can think of is, you know, I wonder wonder what Al Roker would do in this situation. <laughs> well, Al fortunately do? for you, he told us all. He did, yeah, he did, he did, he did. That was that was that was nice of him. You know, maybe uh, if we're if we're lucky, maybe he'll he'll go and um, you know share some saline solution with Bob Costas or something. That would be, that'd be <laughs> oh fun. man. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, man, no, I'm doing well. Um, I'm very, very happy to be back with you guys. I miss you all. And, and, uh, um, you know, um, it's a new year. It's a new Chinese new year. Um, uh, it's new RTU and, and you guys are, 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 are the kind of warmth that we need on a cold winter's night. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you this evening. Okay. Uh, that was fantastic. Let's get to the Facebook. Let's move on. I want to talk about the Facebook. Can we talk about um, Facebook? Yes, we can. Take it easy, Mark Zuckerberg. Let's uh, let's just calm down. All right. Uh, 
No, I, you, you, we've brought you in for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that you are indeed uh, a Yankees fan. So tell us your, your thoughts. Where, give us the Walter Cronkite. Where were you yesterday, and what were you wearing? I did. I, I took off my glasses and put them on a couple of times. I checked the clock <laughs> once or twice. Uh, uh, I came out against the, uh, the Ted Offensive. Um, I, you the know, map I, of the I, world behind you. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, as far as as far as how he did it, you know, I think that that in some respects, this is a guy that sort of wanted to do things his own way and has always done that, and and uh, and decided to to appeal directly to the fans, which is what he did. Now, you can call that sincere. You can call it calculated, you know, depending on your point of view. Um, but you know, clearly, the the reaction so far has been pretty genuine and pretty positive. So regardless of what his intentions were in terms of the way in which he conveyed the message, I don't think it matters. It's, it's, it's out there. Um, people know what the kind of year is going to be. I think, you know, um, they're, they're certainly, the Yankees are certainly, you know, probably excited because how else are they going to convince anyone to show up at their stadium this season? So, mm. um, I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, you're looking at it, you're looking at another 83 to 85 win season for, wow. for the Bombers. And, and, oh, come on. Let's, let's, let's just get it out there now. It's, it's February, you know, it's, there's snow. <laughs> and behind. I don't, um, but no, I mean, you know, look, who knows? I mean, I'm sure he probably got tired of getting uh, candy crush invites from Gabrielle Union on Facebook and decided to do something about it, put out his 15 paragraph missive. So, um, you know. So wait, uh, and, but wait, 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 wait. How do you know she plays Candy Crush, first a, of all? A, and B, um, D, I'm surprised, and I'll tell you why, guys. I'm taken aback and surprised. I'm surprised in my abackness. Okay. Because, because I didn't think of we, – we watched Mariano's farewell tour last year, some of us somewhat nauseatingly, um, others not so much. Mm. Um. I didn't think I didn't peg Jeter for this. I didn't. I I didn't peg him as the guy who would I, take yeah. the grandstanding farewell tour. I'm surprised. It would have been a little a little more DiMaggio, right? You were thinking like at the end of the Absolutely. year, very quietly. Yeah, yep. no, I agree. I agree. Or like still like two weeks two weeks to go in the season, so he gets his last home game and he gives the Yankee fans that, and he gets it as well. Um, you know, or even like a month to go in the season. You know, they have a trip to Boston still in there, so he can collect on that. I was really surprised, guys, to see him taking the the Jeter tour, and it stinks to me of something because <laughs> conspiracy. Steve. Conspiracy Steve is back again. It reeks. Yeah. That's my that's my new nickname, Jay. It reeks conspiracy. to me. Uh, it reeks to me of something a little more contrived that the Yankees saw how much money in a non-playoff season and how much interest that Mariano's farewell tour. And it, and again, it's not to take anything away from Mariano Rivera, the great, sorry, my bad. Didn't realize I, I totally forgot to when the, you address him. Yes. That's my fault. I did that. Please. Uh, no, but they they saw what the the Rivera farewell tour can do for a team that's you know that didn't make the playoffs, and sure. frankly attendance went way down. Something, some I don't know. Something stinks to me here, guys. Am I just being overly cynical? I mean, is Jeter, is Derek Jeter above that? 
Is he above well, suspicion just because he's Jeter? No. Seems, seems to be of no. seems to be of everything else. No, he's not. I I I can. I don't want to lend too much credence to what you're saying. <laughs> I I. It's probably a good career move. I mean, I can I can see why you would think that. I don't think that was uh, that was the reason though. No, I'm not saying it's the reason, but I, it it seems orchestrated. And again, this is completely my speculation. I'm not saying it is or or meaning to uh, put it out there as fact in any way, shape, or form. I'm seriously just talking to you guys about it. It I just seems, felt, I, it seems well, I like orchestrated. The Yankees were very clear that it wasn't. Do you think that they're protesting too much? Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. there's there's a doth in there. I don't know, Jay. You, we've all followed Jeter since he came up when he was you know 21, 22 years old, and and he's had this storied career. And really, you can go to the fact that he could have been drafted by the Astros. He should have been drafted by the Astros. The scout that mm-hmm. the scout that scouted him and recommended him for the Astros to take with the first overall pick quit his job. Because the Astros didn't take him, and that's not like urban legend. The guy said, "If you oh, that's, don't draft, that's the truth. yeah, if you don't draft Derek Jeter, I'm quitting." And they, and I think they took, um, what's his name? They took uh, Caminetti, maybe. No, not that that year. I don't know. But whoever they took, uh, and and the guy quit. So Jeter walked into a great situation. And he made the most of it. He's, this is to take nothing away from the career, the wonderful career and marvelous career that Derek Jeter has had. Jay, you, you, you know, Linda, you've seen him all these years, though. You would maybe know about the machinations here a bit better than, than we would. We, all we know is the Mets screw everything up from a PR standpoint. And they screwed this up too somehow. Right, that's right. Yeah, they you know they they really mishandled the whole like Ray Ordonez retirement. They could have done a much better job of that. <laughs> Ray Ordonez Day. Yeah. All fans, all fans get a whatever. What everybody get a cup of soup that day? What happened? I mean, you know, <laughs> everybody got a bat that didn't work, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 a gold and a gold glove. And a bad no, but, bat. No, but Ray, <laughs> No, Houston drafted Phil Nevin, by the way. Phil Nevin. That was it. Thank you. Mm. Um, but, you know, honestly, Jay, can you can you see some sort of maybe PR-ish machinations at work here? Yeah, but, well, okay. Let, let's, let's, let's stick with that for a minute. And I'm, I'm not necessarily doing a Kevin Costner and telling you we are through, through the looking glass here. This isn't JFK. But, you know, to speak to your conspiracy, sure. That might be. I mean, look. Jeter has proven nothing over the last uh, 18 years, if not that he's somewhat of a cold, calculated guy when it comes to his image and his brand. And um, who's to say that maybe, you know, in the last 30 days with news of uh, Robbie Cano going to Seattle and Alex Rodriguez getting suspended and in the last week deciding to drop his lawsuits against Major League Baseball, I mean, maybe Jeter saw it as an opportunity. Like, all right, I now, there are no distractions surrounding this team other than, you know, uh, a, a 757 commercial jet being being uh, chartered for uh, a guy from Japan in his pool. I'm going to come out and say, this is what I'm doing. This is my choice. I'm in control of things. And, you know, another thing, think back to to what happened when he signed, not this 
most recent one-year deal, but the three-year contract a few years back, when, yeah. you know, at his signing, he came out and basically just said, look, I really didn't care for how this was handled. I, I didn't like how I was being put out there. I didn't like how the situation was being put out there. So maybe, you know, rather than go into spring training, having to answer questions about what the season's going to be like and, oh, will it be your last year, and having to be on the defensive for the better part of six months, maybe maybe this was his opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to write my story. This yeah. is how it's going to be, and 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 this is this is how I'm going to move forward. And 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 if if the worst thing about that is the attention winds up being on me, if that's the worst thing anyone's going to say about me, Derek Cheater, uh, that, that that's not such a, a bad place to be in. So so you know, if the worst accusation that's going to be thrown at Cheater is that this is some calculated move to drum up interest in an organization that frankly has been rotting from within for the past three to five years, I, I you know, history is going to treat him kindly. It already is treating kindly with or without this announcement, but I, I don't, I don't think this is, um, I, I see your point regarding the conspiracy, but I don't think there's much to make of it uh, beyond a guy who wants to be able to, at the end of his career, take control over his, his narrative. And that's what he's doing. I like your theory, Jay, that he's trying to get out ahead of it. That yeah. this was probably going to be a year of questions for him. You know? Right. And um, like last year was Rivera's year, so everybody just assumed that this year would be Jeter's year. He's coming off an injury, and I, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense to me, and I guess I hadn't really thought of that angle. We're going to speak to... I, I was just going to say, we're going to... That phrase, getting out ahead of it, Getting out ahead of the story uh, is going to come up. Just don't let us forget about that for Michael Sam. When no, we start talking no, about him. Don't sleep on no, that. absolutely not. I, I, I actually, I mean, if you think about it, in the last few days, that's that's the common thread between a story like Jeter's and a story like uh, like Michael Sam. Absolutely. Like, yeah. you're, I'm going to I'm going to write my story rather than rather than have the uh, the media do stuff. So. Uh, no, there, there's 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 a, a common thread there. Absolutely. Yeah, and I and I, what do you what do you guys think? this means in terms of and and again all we can do is speculate we haven't seen him play but what is it my uh, other initial thought that was non-conspiracy related sort of was um the idea of his physical condition like what do you guys do, do you think uh Derek Jeter gets down to Tampa you know 2 weeks ago or whatever and is taking ground balls and is like look this is this can be this can be rough I mean, this is. I'm really hoping that I hold up for one year. Let me get out in front of it and let me announce my retirement now. So if I get hurt in April, um, you know, that's not the last time I'm ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's out in front of it for that aspect too. I, you know, my my ankle. You know, and and of course, nobody wants to see this happen. Not even a Met fan. Nobody ever wants to see a, a great player have to be forced to stop playing. But uh, with <clears throat> not a but there, and with the way he's done this, if that were to happen in April, he has still gone out on his terms. It was his last season anyway. I you know, think so. A- I mean, look, he's he's got a one-year contract. He turns forty in I think three or four months. Um, yeah, no matter how no matter how you how you slice it, I think you got. I I, I firmly believe it. Sounds like you guys were sort of leaning in that direction, that he really wanted to control his story and get out in front of it and, and sort of, you know, 
do this on in his way, in his terms, which really has been the consistent uh, one of the consistent his message points of his whole career. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's yeah. that's the that's the other thing, too, guys. That is astounding to me, and has been astounding to me for the last few days. I can't think of another athlete in in New York. And Cal, you and I have been talking about this. And Jay, I'd love to get your opinion of this because we've been talking about it in relation to uh, Mike Francesa um, and how Francesa is sort of treating the uh, the eulogies that are going around, um, <laughs> you know, and, and treating these callers with just rapturous. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's insane. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a little over the top, but. Um, Mike Francesa or Derek Jeter has never needed Mike Francesa at all. A Rod needed him. Um, <clears throat> other athletes in this town have needed him and needed to be on his good side, or at least needed a media outlet. Derek Jeter has never needed any media person in this town ever. And I was trying to think of another guy who's been that way. Mm-hmm. And, and you you can't. In New York? In New York. I mean, I can't think of one, an athlete that didn't need a friend in the media at some point in their careers. He's never needed it. He's never, he's never had so much as a, you know, a, a, a bad article written about him where he had to go to David Lennon and tell his side of the story. He's well, never had the it. the worst thing – I mean, and I would I, – I think you might be right. I mean, I'm, I'm framing this in the context of the relationship between the media and athletes in the last, in the, in the, in the era of free agency in sports or the era, you know, let's say the last 35 years or so, last 40 years. What was the biggest controversy for Mattingly during his career? The fact that his hair was too long? I mean, what, what was, what was the <laughs> biggest thing? No, I, I'm not yes. trying to be funny. I'm really like, that was it. When, when did he really need, when did he really need, to to do any sort of damage control or try and, and try and you know get get the 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 Maddens or or the Bill Roses two, of New York to get on the side. Two places. One, the batting average championship with Winfield. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that comes down to the last day of the. I think it was eighty five, Jay, or maybe eighty six. Comes down to the last, yeah, you know, so. the, the batting, the batting uh, title uh, comes down to the with last Winfield. season yep. with Winfield, with his own teammate. There are people in Winfield's camp. There are people in Mattingly's camp, and I think he needed a friend then. Okay. And the other, the other one I would say is probably how he how he hurt his back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because he tried to play that pretty close to the vest. Yeah, and he hurt his he hurt his back. With Mel Hall. I mean, it's now well known that he was wrestling with Mel Hall in the clubhouse, and he hurt his back. Right. And that's how he hurt right. his back. So I think, I think the two spots that Mattingly needed a friend were, were there with the, with the batting, batting title and with the, uh, you know, keeping that a secret that he was forcing around in the clubhouse, and it ruined his career, which is a, which is a shame. But Mattingly's a, Mattingly's a very – and also, Jay, these are boss years too. Yeah. Like any, yeah. any guy who played under the boss needed a friend in the media at some point. Except Jeter. It's true. It's true. I mean, I, I can think of, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but, but there was a moment in time uh, when, right, right 
during sort of the the, the, the so-called dynasty years um, when Jeter um, was was starting out, where it was Chad Curtis who I think had tried to give Jeter a really hard time and actually you know talked to reporters about about um, uh, Jeter and, and you know this '98 or '99 and and. Look like even a good guy, then, that, that Chad Curtis. He, yeah, but but even but you know something. Even then, um, there was there was no real need for anyone. It seemed as though that just sort of you know maybe maybe it's because Curtis just sort of made himself look 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 less than flattering. But but <laughs> but short of that, I, I can't think of a. Yeah, I think you're right. I really I'm hard pressed to think of another another professional athlete in the greater New York area that spent his or her career really not needing. The, the media to protect them, which is a really, you know, a really telling statement considering this market. It's hugely telling. It's un, it, that's unbelievable. I, I mean, that's you could say the the contract situation that you mentioned a couple years ago, you know, but that was right. he, at that point he doesn't need anybody. No, well, he could have walked away from the game at that point. Exactly. <laughs> The only other thing that happened with, with him was when George Steinbrenner kind of questioned his his nightlife social habits yeah. and that he right. might be spending too much time out and, and but universally Steinbrenner got killed. Right, exactly. And, and and it's not like Jeter had to go to I think about Piazza, right? So when the rumor comes out about Piazza doing steroids and and uh, the New York Times writer I can't think of his name. Uh, he's a bit of an idiot. Um Oh, that guy. No, the... the Murray he, Chass. Murray Chass, thank you. Who you, now has a blog and refuses to vote for Piazza because he had Bacni. And the whole Bacni thing comes out, and Piazza needed a friend in the media. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he had one. He had one either in, in uh, David Lennon. He had one in... Um, uh, Adam Rubin at that time was, was friendly to him or whatever. But it, regardless, Piazza had to scurry for cover. And then when Piazza is accused of, of, of being accused... It's rumored that Piazza's gay, and Mike Piazza decides to call a press conference to tell everybody he's not. Right. Uh, again, these are, you know, in the last 25 years in this town, 30 years in this town, there's, you know, I was going to say Eli Manning guys. No. But Eli Manning, when all the elite stuff, and also Eli Manning was about two games from being benched in 2007. Right. And he and he had, you know, or people or how he was drafted by the Giants. People have, you know, killed the Manning family for orchestrating his trade to the Giants and stuff. So even Eli Manning, nobody lives this charmed life. And he's done it. Like, I feel like I feel like Jeter has consciously everybody keeps talking about what we'll never see again in a Yankee uniform. You know, like baseball-wise, I think that's what we'll never see again, <laughs> ever True. in this yeah, town. No, there, there could be someone who, who, who comes around in our generation or the generation of our children and, you know, sets Rex or, or does something truly superlative, but the chances of that person being completely above the fray uh, when it comes to the microscope of the New York media, yeah, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I you know, and and I also thought about Eli being in that in, in that company too. But the truth is, the difference between Eli Manning and Derek Jeter is while Jeter clearly, you know, and this has been pretty well documented, had uh, phenomenal support of a loving mother and father growing up. Um, that loving mother and father were not celebrities 
and yet he didn't have an older brother who was a celebrity. Yeah. I mean, you know, Eli Eli has Archie, Olivia, Peyton, and to a certain degree, Cooper Manning rushing to his defense at every step of the way ever since uh, he said he would play for the for the Chargers. So, so that that's 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 I think why you can't even necessarily put Eli Manning in the same yeah. company. Um, the other, the, I, no, I totally agree. The only other guy I could I could think of, and it's it's not even near Jeter's extent because he he plays for the Rangers or he played for the Rangers was Brian Leach. That's sure. not a bad call, Brian. You know, Brian Leach kind of was, was universally loved throughout his time here. And yeah. he played one, one, one career with one team. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, was, didn't yeah. really hear too much about him. And he, Bernie, you know, he won, a, won a cup. Of the Rangers. Right. right. Yeah. Bernie has, has his, uh, his blemish, though. Bernie has his uh, flirt, be- flirting with the Red Sox. You mean, with, the, with the Red Sox, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He had to do a lot of damage control uh, in the in the. He had a lot of reporters write really nice stuff about him when he came back to the Yankees uh, after that offer from the Red Sox. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, but but, but Bernie's a good comparison. Leach sure. is a great call, Bry. Leach is an excellent call. Yeah. It's hard to compare hockey to baseball like that, but. Because well, that's it's probably not, the closest we can come up with. Hey, and I think, also, I think that's fair. Yeah, and how big are the Rangers in 1994? They're oh, as, sure. When they're making well, they that were, cup run the for test. the first time in, it, since 1940, yeah. for the first time in 54 years, they're making a cup run. They completely own the town. The Yankees are not good yet. Uh, the baseball season is canceled. The world, the World Series well, have canceled the that year. The Knicks and the Rangers. That the Knicks year. are in the and finals then, that year. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the Rangers are huge, huge that year. So he's he's a big player in this town, absolutely. And then Messier too, but Messier was only here for a few years. Yeah, so. Messier. Yeah. What we're talking about, absolutely, Cal. We're talking about the guy that plays his career here, and you know, I was thinking about David Wright. And wondering if David Wright is on that path. Uh, but unfortunately, David Wright has had so much around the team go wrong, whether it be the made yeah, David, David Wright is on the path for Ernie Banks right now, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a great call. And, it's, and he's had so much go wrong around the team with the Madoffs and, or with the Madoff and the Wilpons and whatnot that He's had to scramble for cover a number of times just to sort of stay above that fray. So he's he's needed friends in the media too, and and they've they've printed stuff that's patently untrue about David Wright about him wanting to leave the locker room and stuff. Yeah, he wanted to leave it so badly he took an eight year contract at a discount. But sure, yeah. Um, now the thing, the thing, but the thing with David Wright is that at the end of his career, he's going to get a lot of points for having dealt with all of the nonsense here with the Wilpons and the Mets. You know, yes. he's going to he's going to be celebrated oh, totally. like Jeter, but he's but they're also going to give him extra credit. I I totally agree. For sticking through this crap. Yeah. Jeter Jeter will get all-time Yankee credit because of how much he's won and how instrumental he's been in that winning. Right, right. will get right will get credit. For sticking it out through an absolute yeah. friggin' disaster and rising yeah, above Jeter, it. Yeah, totally, totally. Jeter, and, and, Jeter will, Jeter will get you know stock options and blue chip companies. David Wright will never have to pay for a steak dinner in this town. 
That's what's going to happen. Where is where Jay? Cal and I have been wondering this since the announcement came down because some of the stuff in the media has been, I mean, wow. Like Deadspin had a whole article on it entitled "America's Baseball Writers Mourn the Passing of Derek Jeter." Um, I mean, it's some of it's just where where does he stand, Jay? Where is he in the in the pantheon for you with with Yankee greats and? Oh man! I mean, you know, look. I mean, I, I you know, I, I come from a pretty hardcore New York Yankee family. My grandfather grew up in the shadows of the stadium on McClellan Street, at 166th Street. Earl Coombs used to hit fungos to him as a child. His twin brother had a tryout with the New York Giants, and and my grand his my grandfather and my great grandfather didn't speak to my uncle Al for like three weeks um, after he went over to the Polo Grounds. Uh, you know. I, I, I grew up in a Yankee household. I, I I I felt so suffocated by the Yankees that for a period of my life I became a Baltimore Orioles fan because I just needed to disassociate myself with the madness. Um, um, but is you know once I, I sort of been in New York for a number of years and realized that this is where this is synonymous with who I am and my identity and my family's identity and, and that I do love do love the Yankees. Um, you know. Jeter is 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 right up there. I mean, he, he's a, he's if he has a pretty let's pretend for a moment he doesn't get injured, has a pretty decent year. He has a real shot at being in the top six or top seven at all time all time hits. Yeah, um, he's a, no, he's a hundred. He's a hundred hits you know, shy of uh, second for right-handers of all time. I yeah, think, right? You Something know, like you know, yeah. he's, he, he's 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 you know got five rings. He has. Again, you know, I think I think the image and the story of Derek Jeter is enough to propel him above um, certain others in the past, uh, you know, in the 70s or 80s, whether it's the age of free agency and someone who wasn't homegrown like Reggie Jackson and Dave Winfield, or even someone like Don Mattingly, who despite all the wins the New York team had in the 80s, you know, had one playoff appearance to show for it. I mean, Jeter's, Jeter's going to be up there for, for many generations to come. And yeah. Uh, I, I do think you know the only knock I can think of, the only the only the only thing I can think that that could potentially one day, you know, try to contribute to the deconstruction of an American hero, uh, a sports hero, would be the similarity that he has in someone like Joe DiMaggio, in that you know Jeter, um, uh, in connection with his not necessarily needing anyone in the media. And his handling of the media, you know, depending on your point of view, you could uh, see it as, as very professional, but you could also see it as somewhat aloof. And, and uh, you yeah. know, is there the chance that is there the chance that five to ten years from now someone's going to write a book on Jeter and, you know, how poorly he treated women or, you know, uh, that he didn't really visit that kid in the hospital or that he had a, a very distant relationship with his family, you know, like they did DiMaggio. That's a possibility. Yeah. But that's, that's pure speculation. And, and short of that, um, you know, uh, I, I think that given who he is, given the team he played, the team he played for, and the era he did, and specifically hit the position he played, uh, you know, I, I think that 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 when my grandchildren are talking about uh, not just great Yankees but great baseball players of the of the era that we grew up in, Jeter's um, going to be, uh, you know, a focal uh, a focal part of that conversation. He's going to be right right front and center. I 
I wish everything you had just said was in a newspaper article that I would have to read tomorrow. Because that was <laughs> no, honestly, that was honestly Jay. That was considerably better than some of the things we're reading, which I obviously know are for shock value or shock effect or whatever. But everything you just said makes everything you just said makes sense. Well, it thank makes you. Sense. Considering if you if you watch the guy's career. You know, the past few days, I've read nothing but comic books and haven't really read anything about you. <laughs> I, I'll take that as a compliment. Seriously, I've read, I've read like a, two comic books and uh, my daughter's Disney Princess magazine. So the fact that um, that, that, that I'm, um, I'm out in front of a guy like Buster Von Lee or, uh, or you know, anyone else, you know, writing for the Evil Empire, I'm, I'm psyched. Thanks, but Well, these guys, but the, the other problem, and Cal, you know this, we've talked about this, these guys all want to be John Updike, too. Like, they all want to make sure that when they're <laughs> – when they're writing about Paul Bunyan, that it's remembered for generations to come. Like there, you have no agenda in the way you just spoke. You're just right. laying out the facts. Ten years from now, nobody's going to remember the Mike Lupica article that Derek which Jeter I, heard, I most, blew right by today. I didn't even read it. Yeah, the most important Yankee that's ever lived. Right. There will never. He 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 actually wrote, "There will never be a Yankee that matters more than Derek Jeter." Thanks, Mike. I mean, th- this is what I'm saying. They're they're trying to be mythic, you know. Yeah. So th- so so their article can match the figure. But you bring up an excellent point too about his legacy. I think Derek Jeter's post-Yankee career and post-Yankee appearances and associations are going to be hugely important because that's where the crap all falls apart for DiMaggio. Correct. Like, that's, yeah, that's, not, yeah. like he, exactly. could, he could really do a nice job if he moves forward as, like, this great Yankee ambassador and is not, like, a prick when he goes to see Mickey Mantle in the clubhouse. Right, and, and doesn't wind up, you know, deciding that he's going to be the hitting coach for the Tigers or something, something like that, or the Rays, right? Because that's where he's building his uh, San Simeon, right? So, so, yes. yes. So, now, he could own a team. He could. He has, he has expressed the desire to, to have team ownership. Guys, where does that place him? So what if he goes on to be a <laughs> – I mean, he really does want to go out like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, what if he goes on to be a successful owner of, like, you know, what if he buys part of the Cubs or something like that? I mean, does that take away from the Yankee-ness? I think it would a little bit, right? Well, I'm not a Yankee fan, so it's tough. I guess Jay would have to answer that better. Well, no, I forget about Yankees for a minute. Let's just talk about any celebrated athlete who retires. You know, uh, Michael Jordan, for example, you know, you, you know, he, he he comes. He makes two comebacks. One is very one is quite celebrated. The other not so much. Um, and then you know he just needs to remain in the spotlight in one way, shape, or form. And and you know it, it, right now Michael Jordan is known as the guy with the the Hitler stash and uh, you know the trophy <laughs> wife who just gave birth to twins. And he owns the Bobcats. I mean it's not that exciting. I, I, anything that Derek, uh, unfortunately for Derek Jeter, anything that he does. Um, starting in November of 2014 forward, is always going to be compared to what he did um, for the last 25 years. So, so you know, 
he really, that's really not a fight he can win. I think that that the one thing that would be interesting is if Derek Jeter manages to do in retirement what he did as a player, and that is, will he be the kind of person that continues to control his story, uh, you know, in whatever right. he decides to do next in life? So let's just say for a moment he's going to own a team. Will he? Could Derek Jeter be the guy that's going to be? You know, he, he's not going to be Jerry Jones, right? He's going to be someone who's probably going to be the silent partner. It'd be, or, it'd or, be you know, awesome if he was, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> it'd be that'd awesome be great. If he was, if he was in like a like a a fifteen thousand dollars suit skulking through the dugout right. during the game. Yeah, hiring hiring <laughs> John Walkenfuss as his manager. And, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so no, the I, fuss? I, I, I mean, oh, I'd, bring the fuss in. Love, yeah, love anything that Jeter does. Anything that Jeter does is going to be compared to who he was as a player, because that's, yeah. that's how we all want to remember him, you know. But guys, when uh, we when we say when we say Michael Jordan, what team do you think of? The Wizards. You don't think of the Wizards? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, guys, you, guys, you guys both couldn't get it out of your mouth fast enough. <laughs> Great. No, he's a, he's a Chicago. He's the Chicago Bulls. Come on. He's the Chicago Bulls. None, none of what he's done post has changed the fact that if you say Michael Jordan, you think of the Bulls. Yes, agreed. and I don't, I don't think that Jeter. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he does next. I really am. I'm really I, interested know, there, to see what he does next. There's, there's a part of me that actually sincerely hopes that he lives kind of a private life and kind of does his own because you know that that he essentially lives up. To the same kind of privacy right. that he's do, do, right. enjoying. What he's done. Yeah. Right. You know, and and I say I say that San Simeon thing is kind of half joking at me, but he really did. He's built this fortress in Tampa, yep. um, and maybe he's going to you know go hide behind it until one day when you know they discover the the rosebud sled. I have no idea. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, right, so, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> well, you can't help yourself. This is what this is what a bon vivant does. Only a pro. Again, I stress. Only a pro. I stress. Do not try to bon vivant like this at home. We have two pros I'm, on the show look, tonight. I'm in the kitchen making another drink right now. I don't know what the notorious Peach is doing, but you know <laughs> the uh, the notorious Bishop. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably passed he's, out in a he's, he's ducking, he's ducking. You know, the, We look, we all know the story here. Paul and I are not allowed to appear in person. Or, or on the air at the same time because they're, they're, you're, you're, you're listening public, your faithful listener is convinced that we're the same person. That's correct. I and, am his Tyler Durden. I am his Tyler Durden. He is right. Or he is mine because I can't I actually, That's right. I actually want to bring him uh, back in for this conversation. I want to go uh, four-way, uh, five-way chili style. I want to, I want to, um, I want to go Cincinnati chili style here. Um, to talk about Michael Sam, because this is um, obviously Michael Sam's uh, announcement uh, that uh, upon entering the NFL draft, he's, uh, he has come out of the closet and, and uh, announced himself as gay. Um, and and we, we spoke to, uh, to the idea of staying out in front of a story. Uh, this came out on Sunday night uh, in obviously orchestrated interviews and whatnot. But if you paid attention – and you weren't cynical uh, and or listening to Mike Francesa for a few days, um, you were told why he decided to come out when he did because the story was going to be broken for him 
on right. Monday or Tuesday of this week. Right. So, and one of the things that I felt like, and Cal, we talked about this a little bit with Dr. E. Ray and with the guys, the import of a homosexual person being able to control when they come out was lost on a lot of the media. Um, that they they didn't seem to understand that being outed not on your terms is hugely hurtful. You want to talk about controlling the narrative and controlling, you know, the message. Sure. Uh, you know, th- this is what Michael Sam wanted to. And also the other thing that Sid Ziegler, um, who was on uh, the Slate podcast, Hang Up and Listen, the great, really good podcast I've been listening to you guys, if you check it out. You have to sort of get around some of the headiness of it. I think they enjoy the fact that they're Slate's sports podcast. Uh, so some of the words are eh, trying a little too hard, but um, but they're good, and they and they do a really nice job. And they had Sid Ziegler on because, you know, might as well get the guy who's behind the story, unlike Mike Francesa, who just took calls from ignorant people for two days. Um <laughs> And and Sid Ziegler said we got you know we got tipped we we were tipped off by Bleacher Report and we were told not that Bleacher Report was going to break it but somebody was going to break it on Monday or Tuesday it was a well known fact going into the combine I think he said something like thirty of thirty two GMs knew it uh, or had you know or had pretty good suspicions and su- as such so they wanted to stay out in front of it and control Michael wanted to control when he came out and also he wanted to be on fettered and unburdened by this when he was at the combine because he feels like he is his best player. He is the best player he can be. He was this past year after he came out to his team. He came out to his team. He had a tremendous season and he wanted to go into the combine with a clear head as himself. So these are reasons that the story of Sessa said, which was they picked the quietest sports week, sports weekend of the year to announce this to get maximum uh, you know, impact and he's getting advice on getting maximum impact and publicity. Yeah, that's why he chose Sunday night at ten o'clock on the You gotta parse out the story, of course. Yeah. But how anyway, so how hollow. Yeah, so guys, this is there's a couple of things that I'm curious about. I want to hear, but but first I want to, Bri, I want to get your feelings on it because I really haven't heard them, and then Jay, and then PJ. So is this is this as big a deal as it seems to be? And what what do you think? Where where are you on this, Bri? I think it's a huge deal. You know, this is. We've we've been waiting for this for years. We've been waiting for the first um, major professional sports player to come out, and and now we have it because this this kid is going to get drafted, regardless of 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 this news. He's too good to not get drafted. Now I I do buy into a lot of the talk that. Teams are going to think twice, three times maybe even about drafting this guy and, and bringing the distraction onto the team. But somebody will. 
Somebody will take that distraction on because he's too good not to. And I think it's a huge deal. And I, I, I'm really curious to see what happens from it. It's hard to sit here right now and say, well, this is going to open the floodgates. And now, you know, everybody that's been hiding this is going to start coming out of the, out of the closet. I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. But it's towards maybe there being some more acceptance of it. Jay, do you think that – first of all, your, your impressions of this kid as it goes, is he the right, quote-unquote, the right person for this? It sounds like he is. Um, and also, all the talk about the, the locker room, the locker room, the locker room. We've heard so much about the NFL locker room, that it's this place that, that is uh, above reproach, and it's not a typical workplace, and – you know, and and also I think guys, I, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. I think some people have been unfairly labeled homophobes for questioning certain things. I think there's a lot of that going on. So so Jay, tell me, uh, what do you, you just give me your your impressions real quick of it? And also that locker room issue is really big to me because I don't think it matters on the field, obviously. Ah, Ken, is 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 the locker room going to be? Is the locker room going to be the 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 place where it all comes down? Jay, you still there? You know, yeah, no, I'm here. I'm sorry, I got dropped for a moment. Um, yes, you know, I, I guess I have a few sort of thoughts, and and some some are directly answering your question. Some are, are a bit preformed, but. Please, uh, you know, I think <laughs> go that, Miles Davis. No, you know the, the timing of this. No, no sketches of Spain. I promise. The timing of this is is interesting. Think about it. You know, like we are just a couple of months removed from the context of the of the NFL locker room as it applies to bullying. Right, we are a couple of months removed from Jonathan Martin and that whole business. Although that is that is starting to show that maybe that there's more to that story than, than meets the eye. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that, that whether or not Michael Sam is the, the right person or the right guy or the right time, you know, I think this is really big news. I mean, we are, we are in the last 12 months, you know, a couple of things have happened, um, you know, a little less than a year ago, Brittany Griner, the, the top women's college basketball player in the nation, the number one draft pick in the WNBA, on the eve of the draft, came out and said, look, I'm a lesbian. I got bullied as a kid. Um, I felt important to address the rumors in advance of anything about me and just come out and say who I am and, and how I'm going to live my life. And, and, and a lot of people applauded her for that. Now, you know, this situation is is so critical and so, so important because it, it has the potential to really, to really change perceptions of what it means to be a male professional athlete in this country. And, and I, you know, the, the couple of things that, that have stuck with me over the past four or five days is the idea that in this day and age, every member of the Missouri Tigers football team managed to keep his mouth shut for the past four or five months is astounding to me. 
And to me, that speaks to how deeply these guys believed in their teammate, how deeply they, they respected who he is as a person, as an individual, as a fellow student, as a, as a teammate, as, you know, a brother on the gridiron. You know, the idea of it, that they rallied behind this guy in maintaining his privacy and waiting until it was his opportunity to say something, I can't believe that. I just cannot believe that actually happened in this day and age. I think this is huge. I, I, I really do. I, I, I think that he is an incredibly brave man. I think that, that you know, I, I, I think that this is going to do nothing, but, but if not now, at one day in the not-too-distant future, truly advance who we are as a society in terms of how we look at traditional gender roles and, and and professional athletics. I, I think this is wonderful. I, I I wish nothing but the best for this guy. Now, as far as the the, the sanctity of the locker room, I think that, and, and again, I, I really wasn't joking before, I really have nothing, done nothing but read comic books and Disney Princess magazines in the last few days. Um, uh, you know, what I have heard is how many people, including, you know, that guy down in Texas um, who has, absolutely repelled the backlash against anyone thinking that Michael Sam it would be somehow less of an employee, less of a, an athlete, less of a, a player, less of an impact teammate because of his sexuality by claiming, well, what about all these other people in the NFL who have done all these dastardly things? You know, that, that, to me, that reaction has spoken volumes about who Michael Sam is. Um, the weird thing to me is that how a guy like Dante Stallworth got like got Twitter diarrhea uh, yeah. over this whole over this whole thing. I mean, you know, last time I checked, you know, Dante told us what it's like to be in the NFL locker room. He's been six or seven of them. Um, um, that that was one of the more bizarre moments of this of this narrative. It was, but, that was really weird. It really was. It, it was, was really incredibly weird. It was, I what was, was reading what those was Dante tweets. trying to say. You know, I, and I, his, I, his I, tweets I, were about read, tolerance and about how I read you know, a I ran a dude over. I got in a hot balloon accident. I'm in South Beach. <laughs> it was college. I was curious. I, I don't know. I, I, you know. Who knows? Um, but, 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 it, but, but, you know, maybe, maybe we don't appreciate this now. Maybe we won't appreciate it a year from now. But, but uh, I, I think that, that Michael Sam is, is such an, could have the potential to be such an important touchstone because not only is he someone who is incredibly brave to get out in front of it and control the story and let the, let the world know who he is, but, guys, this is someone who could really potentially be a hell of a, hell of a ball player. Yeah, he can play. Level of, at, the, at the NFL level. You Which know? is important. Um, I mean, it's important that he can play. Yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't, this isn't I, again, uh, please forgive me for making comparisons over – over what we've heard in the last year or so, but this isn't a guy like Jason Collins who's in the twilight of his career. You know, this, right. this, is, this is someone who, who, who has a heck of a lot on the line, whether it's his livelihood, uh, primarily through his whatever contract he signs with the team, through any ancillary income that he can earn as an endorser. Uh, what have you? Uh, this is huge. And, and yeah. I, I think it's wonderful. Peach, I think one of the things that's been bandied about a lot too is this idea that 
like I heard Terrell Thomas from the Giants come out and say, you know, it, it would make people uncomfortable and stuff. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. I mean, I understand the religious implica- uh, implications here, especially in the NFL, where there are a good deal of uh, very fervent Christians um, who don't uh, agree with this lifestyle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I get an NFL player saying, it makes me uncomfortable. Because you don't understand it. And that's fine. That doesn't necessarily make you a homophobe out of school. It doesn't. What does is, when you say, I mean, that means we can't be ourselves in the locker room. What's that? Homophobic bigots? Like, oh, that's, that's a shame. You can't use those homophobic slurs anymore in the locker room. Sorry. You know, that, that's where, like, that's, that was his next statement. His next statement was, oh, we can't be ourselves, and things get said in the locker room, and guys say things to each other and stuff, and now you have to watch what you say. Well, sorry. Yeah, you are. You know, at some point, you have to actually stop with the racism and the bigotry. You know, because there's somebody there who might get offended. Imagine, if you will, a professional sports team having to act professional. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know, Peach, as, as the, um, the resident casual sports observer, uh, and yet a pop culture maven. Um, well, here's what I no. observed. <laughs> what did you, you see? This is what I observed. It's extremely interesting that uh, he, he's not in the NFL yet. You know, this was, it's a watershed moment for him. Not so much for the NFL. He's outside the castle walls. Sure, he's going to march in, and we're going to see how he, how he gets accepted. But this is still something that happened at the Combine and not after he's drafted. We're, this is still not a moment the where combine, an NFL player, right, the combine established NFL player, comes out, which is a little different. I also thought it was interesting that that Dallas sportscaster kept – juxtaposing everything against crime. <laughs> you know? No, so did well, John you have Stewart. rapists on I mean, your team. So did it's John not as Stewart. bad as a homosexual. Well, you have a drunk driver on your team. It's not as bad as a homosexual. <laughs> but, I think his, but I think his point was, I think his point was the same as John Stewart's, and that was the initial reaction out of the front yeah. office people uh, in that Sports Illustrated article, and then Peter King's really lousy Monday morning quarterback article where he, he talked to eight people and that was somehow the, you know, the entirety of the NFL was the idea of the distractions that Michael Sam will provide if he's on your team because of all the baggage, quote unquote, that he comes with if he's on your team. So I think, I mean, I, mean, I saw the, the Dallas sportscasters, it was almost verbatim to John Stewart's. And John Stewart's point on The Daily Show was, yeah, because, you know, it's much better to field distracting questions over and over again about, you know, the, the dog killer or the, you know, alleged rapist or the, you know, like, these are distractions you deal with all the time. How can you say that this distraction is worse? You know what I mean? So I think that was more the point. But you're right, Peach. Nobody knows, and Cal, we were talking about this with Francesa. Nobody knows how to talk about this comfortably. It's just the conversation, all, you would never know, I said this, you would never know you're in the year 2014 when you just hear people trying to talk about it. 
They're just doing Has anybody said so what yet? That's the that's the comment I'm waiting for. No, I haven't just, heard it. So what? Move on. Have you well, heard? Have well, you heard I mean, how do you mean? How do you mean? Where so are the grown-ups? Because because I don't think this can be. We, what we have heard a number of is, well, I don't announce that I'm heterosexual. So so what? He's you know he's gay. Why does he have to announce it? Well, when was the last time you weren't allowed to do something because you're heterosexual? Mm-hmm. You know, but but I I don't know if we've heard a we have heard a lot of Cal you you've probably seen this Jay you've probably seen it well it's not been in the princess magazines but we've heard a lot of okay, this you, is you a, heard <laughs> this is a big and deal by the way Jay was home by himself this week I just want that out there <laughs> Nikki Nikki and the kids are actually visiting some family Jay's been <laughs> reading those magazines by himself he's an ignorant slut. but we have heard a number of if the media wasn't making a big deal out of this it wouldn't be a big deal is that what you mean by so what peach um no i'm 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 just i'm just waiting for someone to, to sort of give a public shaming to the people that are giving lip service to the people who are anticipating what the media is going to say. Right. It's a big ball of gas. It doesn't matter. Is he an awesome player? Then draft him and then deal with your locker room. Right. Is this hard? Yeah, I think one of the most important parts of this story... Go ahead, Cal. What were you going to say? No, I think it is hard. It is, yeah, I think. I mean, I think unfortunately it is because it should, of, it, you're right. It shouldn't be, and and I, I I hate to keep using the phrase. It's the year 2014. I keep coming back to that, but it, it is, and we've come so far as a society that it shouldn't be hard right now. But it's keenly it is aware of the calendar. Uh, yes, somebody on Deadspin on one of the articles in the comment section raised a furor um, and I think there was like 157 comments on this one particular comment when he asked and, and again this is just discussion he asked shouldn't, shouldn't there be a separate locker room just like there's a separate locker room at the gym for guys and girls like right. shouldn't you, shouldn't you because, have, because, because none of the women in the girls' locker room, wear comfortable shoes. Right, right. And that's what everybody yeah, ripped this guy yeah, for. Sure. Yeah, everybody ripped this guy. But his point was, it's a workplace environment. Yeah. You know, they would never let you shower with a woman or whatever, something like that. Like, he, he was he was really Next trying. Next, you want to send them to their own schools. Right. <laughs> they do have their own schools. Ah, oh, you're an anti-dentite. Um, but he... He, it got to, the conversation sort of devolved and evolved, and there was a lot of name-calling and stuff, and that doesn't get people anywhere. It really doesn't. Or I should say name-calling out of school. But guys, it devolved to the question of what happens when, so we move five years down the road where this is way more accepted, and Michael Sam has sort of been a trailblazer, and, and, uh, and guys in current locker rooms come out, and now two NFL players are dating. And how does how does this 
affect the, – the guy was actually basically asking, asking the question, how does it affect the sport? Like if, 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 if the outside linebacker on my team is dating the cornerback and they, and they break up. I you know, love like, slippery slope arguments because they're always <laughs> yeah, so stupid. They're always so stupid. <sighs> you know, like what, what if he happens? loves his dog? <laughs> what happens if two guys on my team are dating? And I thought that was funny. I actually, I, I found that amusing. Well, I, the question that is begged, I'm surprised, about, I guess some people have asked it, is, is this going to open the floodgates? Are we going to get a whole bunch of people coming out? And I, I think no. Well, the, because I, I don't, think, I don't guys, think the internal culture has changed at all. I think it depends on the reaction, though. Yep, I, th- I, I, agree. I think it depends on the reaction. And also, Cal, this is something we talked about during the Tebow times. <laughs> those, those dark times that we don't like to revisit often. But guys, I would bet, and we talked about this literally over a year and a half ago, and now Wade Davis, who is an ex-NFL player, cornerback, uh, was on with uh, Oberman the other night on Oberman's show, and he pretty much postulated, or, or I shouldn't say that, I, he pretty much confirmed what we had said, and that was, there's probably two or three teams in the NFL right now that have a gay player who's out to his team already, much as Michael Sam was out to his Missouri team. And Wade Davis the other day, uh, the other night on with Overman said, it's a fact there are two or three teams that already have a gay player that in, inside his locker room, everybody knows he's gay. Nobody has a problem with it. So is the problem the locker room or the snickering press corps? I think the... uh, You guys are going to kill me. All of you are going to kill me. I think one of the biggest problems is religion. I really do. I'm out. Why do you you say that? Why do you you say the biggest problem is religion? Tell me why. What is the basis... What would be the basis for non-acceptance of a homosexual from a person who is non-religious. Mm. Right. Can't, can't really think of one. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Okay. So, so, and again, this is, I, I don't want to, this has nothing to do with me belittling religion or, or these particular people's beliefs or whatever. I don't respect them. I respect their right to have them. Right. Um, but to me, especially in football, that's going to be the biggest obstacle to overcome because, and again, this is uh, these people, that's their faith. That's what they believe. You're asking people to accept something that they don't believe. And the, and the bulk, the bulk of, of amateur talent... Or they believe is wrong. Winds up in the, NFL. the bulk of the amateur talent that winds up in the NFL comes from the Bible Belt communities of our country. That's right. Is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, that, that is... I, I think uh, Christianity and fervent Christianity... Um, where, where, or, you know, Muslims too... I mean, Islamic people of Islamic faith are not great with homosexuality either. Um, 
But in the NFL, I think Cal Tebow has been brought up a lot in relation to Michael Sam because of what came with Tim Tebow. What came to your team, the circus that came to your team with Tim Tebow. And we were, we were okay saying that, right? Shouldn't we be okay saying that there is baggage attached to drafting Michael Sam? Well, yeah. I mean, Herm, Ed, Herm Edwards said that the other day, and he got killed for it. He got killed. He said what? He said there's, there's baggage attached when you draft this young man. There's, there's obviously baggage. Right. But he got killed for it. He got killed for it. Why? Because it, what baggage is there? What? He's just another player, blah, 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 blah. No, he's not just another player, unfortunately. Right. In 20 years, somebody like Michael Sam may, might be just another player. And, and we hope... Five years. We hope that it gets to that point. But, but today, he's not. He's the first. And he's coming with baggage. I hate to call it baggage. But that's the that's the problem. It's, it's it's not like he's coming with. It's not like he's. Uh, it's you know, not like he murdered someone. Right. He's not Aaron Hernandez. Right. That's baggage. No, he's, he's got. He's he got comes issues. with he comes with a set of a, of set of challenges. They're not issues. They're challenges. That's yeah, a good. He comes challenge. with a different challenge. I, I mean, Herm Edwards. You saw this, right, Jay? Herm Edwards got killed. Yeah. Well, I mean, well you know. Herm, Herm got killed. Okay. But, but but I think I think I think what we're all skirting around is that this is not the same kind of conversation that took place in this country, uh, you know, over the last sixty or seventy years in terms of race. This is very different. Oh, it's very different. Very different. And 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 you know we are we are forty five years removed from the Stonewall riots. We are our, we are a country that fancies ourselves to be socially advanced. The truth is, uh, amidst the backdrop of professional sports in the United States, you know, a a multi you know multi 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 billion dollar industry that that is predicated on certain gender stereotypes. No one, and especially in the context of football, no one is ready for this. If Michael Sam were an outfielder drafted by the Padres, this would be a different story. We are talking about football. We are talking about a sport that that some some might argue exploits young men of color who coincidentally are part of a community that has a very outward, uh, a very outwardly different reaction towards homosexuality yeah. than other segments of our country. And that's not a popular thing to say. That's the kind of thing that can actually get you actually in hot water, but that is the truth. Yep. And, and, and that, I, you know, Steve, I understand what you're saying about religion, but I think if religion is number one, I think number one A is ethnicity and culture, yep. and I really do. I really do believe. And they're when you close. Were talking about professional sports in this country, and when you're talking about young men of color, sexuality is going to take a very, a, a much more, a much more uh, hot button sort of context 
than, than might otherwise be. And, and, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Yep. I think. Sorry. I didn't mean, no. I didn't mean to like disinvite myself from any, any future editions of RTU by, uh, <laughs> by, by, by talking about things that, that you know, would, would get a guy like Ruben Diaz in the Bronx uh, to, 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 to fog up his contact lenses, but that is the truth. No, it's it's and, the absolute and, truth. And and PJ, I can PJ's chewing on his microphone right now. I can guarantee you. The notorious PJ already said so. What? So he doesn't care. <laughs> no, but PJ. Well, as long as they let him play, ver- versus rejecting him due to his homosexuality. Right. Um. You know that chapter sorts of right it, it writes itself because that can't happen. Right. You can't no, get turned that, away absolutely. by every team. No, that's and, the, and, 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 and that's and the you know, that's something. the difference between him and Jackie Robinson. You know what I mean? He's allowed to play, and that's actually you want to talk about dialing it back to what you guys were talking about earlier about uh, Derek Jeter and being in control of your story and being out in front of something. You know, Paul brings up, the Peach brings up a very important point, and that is, you know, by, by getting out in front of it and, and, and declaring who he is as a, as a person, this is who I am, I am a gay, I'm a gay man, you know, anything that happens from this point forward that would, that would deny him the opportunity to, to have an equal shot at, at performing at the highest level of, of professional sports in the NFL you know, he he's actually positioned himself to to be able to say, look, you know, if I suck out there, I suck out there. But if I yeah. if I'm actually a pretty goddamn good player, and you're denying me the opportunity to play, well, the whole world knows why. Yep. And absolutely. And, and you know, I I. And I, I think it was I think it was important I think it was important to do that, Jay. I think it was important to do that because he's this is not Jackie Robinson. This is not breaking the color barrier. No, this is not. It's, different. it's very is, different. It's very different. Exactly. So he's 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 put the ball in their court. He's saying if I come out to the combine and I do what I do and I'm a useful draftable NFL player and you don't draft me, well, we all know why. Now we all know why. But on the yep. same token, if if he wasn't, or if he was marginal, and there yes. was a question as to whether or not. He was going to be drafted. A, are we having this conversation right now? I don't know if we are. Right? No, that's why this is a perfect yeah, test case. And B, right, and, and B is, is anybody going to think anything of it if he doesn't get drafted? Is anybody going to accuse teams of, of being homophobic if he doesn't get drafted? If he's a marginal player, I think the fact that he's a good player is why this is such a big deal. Absolutely, yeah, right? and that and that goes yeah. back to that goes back to what I was saying initially about him. This particular guy, like, this is why he's the right guy at the right time because he's he look he's not Javadon Clowney, but he's clearly a draftable player. You can't possibly tell me that in seven rounds of a football draft, there's not one team that could use. You know, a six foot two, two hundred and sixty pound hybrid defensive end who was you know, the SEC, the Saints, you know, co-player of the year. Say, you know, the Saints might might use him because, from what I understand, 
did Vilma get let go, or did he not get let go? Yes, he did. Oh, well. There you go. No, we one of the things that was interesting right off the bat, guys, was to speculate, not speculate, but to discuss the teams where he might be a fit. You know, and some some teams came out. Uh, look, the San Francisco Forty ers were discussed as a fit, and it and there's no problem with saying the town is friendly. It's a good city for him to be in. Um, it's a good locker room. It's a coach that has is not going anywhere, clearly. But then there was also the speculation that there's already a gay player in that locker room. I'm not going to say who that is. Doesn't make a difference. But there's there's long been speculation that there's a known gay player in that locker room. You know, Prominent. this guy has made no demands. Prominent, uh, gay. you know. For himself, he hasn't said like you know I want to go I want to be on a team and I don't want to I don't want to be in a locker room where there's any taunting or bullying or teasing. No, no, he has not. He hasn't he hasn't put any of that out there. No, and no coach would ever guarantee him that you know sign with us and I promise you a perfectly civil locker room. It's not going to happen. Right, but it's but it would be it would be naive, Peach, to to say that it's not important where he goes. It's going to take a very strong organization. It's going to take a very strong GM. It's going to take a very strong coaching staff and a good locker room, uh, you know, uh, for him to go to. For this, yeah, but to if be it's a, less than perfect, it's not going to be the end of the world for anybody. No, 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 absolutely. I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm saying, ideally, there are places where he could go where it will hasten this being normal. Or Idyllically in Hassan, I'm calling you on both of those words right now. They could, or there are places where he could go where it might stunt it. I mean, no, I still, nobody, I want, to call nobody wants to see him. Ideally. That's not a word. It doesn't matter. Hey, nobody, was, I loved it. It was awesome. Nobody wants to see him go into the Dolphins locker room. I mean, really. You know, like it would if, – if, and and I'm not saying that that would be a problem or the end of the world or whatever, but there are probably landing places for him that are good, that are better than ideal, you know, or better than the norm. That's all I'm saying. D- can he go to anywhere and succeed? Well, he better. He should. There's absolutely no reason he shouldn't. What happens if he doesn't? Well, what about? I, I, what about I, I don't know, Brian. I don't know. You know, what happens if, if after all of this he gets drafted and then he fails as a player? For whatever reason. Then he fails as a player. But what does it, mean, what does it mean about the statement of this? Does, does this mean that somebody might not come out the next time? Or, I don't think so. No? No. No, yeah. no, no I don't think it translates. Okay. If, he, if, if, if somehow something happens in the locker room, and there's a fight or something, and he gets cut because of this, and that's different. If he just is Mike Mamula and can't play, <laughs> you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Because, you know, the amazing thing is, even the players that have come out and dis, uh, you know, expressed discomfort or whatever, or being uncomfortable or just been outright bigots, nobody said he can't play. Nobody said anything about what he can do on the field or caring about what he can do on the field. 
or caring about that aspect of it. It's all about this ridiculous NFL locker room, which we're told over and over again, if you've never been in, you can't possibly understand. Well, you know what? It's worse than numb. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they're all three clicks north of Da Nang in NFL <laughs> locker rooms. I mean, just it's too... Cal, we'll say it again. There's the title of this show. It's 2014. Do you really do you really need a locker room to be a place where you can be a bigot, racist, and a homophobe? Really? Is that necessary for your workplace? Is that necessary for team building? No, shouldn't be. No. I I I uh I don't know. <laughs> if I can Calstradamus this for a second, I think that you will end up seeing a much more professional locker room wherever he ends up than you will a professional press. Calstradamus. It's official. It is official. I, yeah, and I think the, the, it is official that the Peach has watched way too much ice skating. Oh, I, I love ice skating. I, uh, PJ, I totally agree with you. Totally. Oh, you know what, Sid Ziegler, guys, I don't, uh, again, on this podcast, last thing on this, and then I, we'll, we'll wrap up. Sid Ziegler brought Why? up this great. Well, I was kind of hoping we go three parts tonight. <laughs> Sid Ziegler, uh, who's the editor of Out Magazine and, and was uh, instrumental in breaking this story, brought up a great point saying <laughs> about, you know, distractions and media coverage and you know, home and gardens or whatever that guy said. I mean, that's just... Could you... Really? Wow. The, the wow. Saturday Evening Post is going to be out. Ladies Home Journal is going to be coming out. He said, this is a league where every team aspires to get to the biggest media circus in the world. They aspire to it. That's their goal at the beginning of every season is to wind up on Radio Row during Super Bowl week, the most covered sporting event outside of the Indianapolis 500 and the World Cup in the world. And they're worried about some questions from Rolling Stone at the beginning of a season. Really? Really? And I thought that was, that was brilliant. That was absolutely like you. If you, he was saying, like, if your media and your franchise can't handle this in training camp, uh, good luck at the Super Bowl. Oh, wait, you're not getting there. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Discuss. You're right. Well, I mean, you know, journalists are all seventh graders. Well, you want to talk the cold, calculated approach? I mean, earlier this, e- earlier this evening on the RTU, we were talking about Jeter. I mean, let's talk about this for a minute. You know, last time I checked, people that uh, may play for the other team and are members of the Rainbow Coalition have loads of disposable income. So, you know, if, if I'm the 49ers or whatever team... Absolutely. Um, you know, last time I checked, I want to appeal to my fan base. I want their money. 
uh, you know, I'm competing for their consumer dollars, and and if I'm able to to handle this in a mature way, and and we have a member of our team who's you know who's gay, and uh, you know, and, and handling it right, and they're a valued member of the team in the community. That's going to translate into is not only is it the right thing to do, but not to be crass, it, it's the commercially viable thing to do. So, so if you're an NFL club, shit. I mean, I mean, my gosh. I mean, there's no reason why you can't try and create an environment that's going to not only you know have the team succeed, but, but absolutely, but absolutely, broaden your broaden the appeal to. On your appeal, I mean, you know. Yes. What did they do with Tim Tebow, Jay? What exactly. did they do with Tim? How many how many Tim Tebow jerseys did they sell? How many Tim Tebow jet jerseys did they sell to Tim Tebow fans who now care nothing about the Jets? Nothing, nothing no. about the Jets. So similarly, you know, why if if you're you know the Nothing uh, wrong with it. 49ers or any other any other team for that matter in the first round, you're taking a good hard look at Michael Sam. There's no reason why you're not going to think in those sort of cold, cold you know manners that gosh, there's an opportunity for us to make some money. There's That's why the press will always be immature about it because that generates their dollars. Right. And there's an approach. Right. A, that's that's, that's yep. why you're really not going to get any so what moments either. I mean, you know, people are going to understand that, that that there are teams that are doing this not only to, to you know, because it's the right thing to do, but because it's the, the commercially viable thing for them to do. There's a Branch Ricky aspect here, guys. There is. There's a, and again, he's not Jackie Robinson. However, there are elements of this story that are similar. You know, Michael Sam's going to have to face a lot of nasty things. Not the same level as Jackie Robinson. Not the same level as Jackie Robinson, but he's going to face, you know, look, he's going to be down in Jacksonville at a game. And he's going to, I mean, I, I've heard what people have said to Jet players for years. I can't imagine what they're going to say to this kid running off the field. But it's it's not it's it's not the same as Jackie Robinson. That's not what I mean. I'm just I'm just saying he's going to face a lot of that. You know well, where, where he plays in certain places. But there's a Branch Ricky aspect here for an organization as well. If we are lucky, Harrison Ford will be around for a very long time, <laughs> and he can reprise his role as Get an off NFL my plane. <laughs> And he can be a cigar chopping guy. You know, who knows? I thought he was good. I thought he was good too. Is Branch Ricky? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. sure. Why not? Cal. Harrison Ford, though. It's Harrison. Why the hell is Harrison Ford Branch Ricky? What's he doing with Jackie Robinson? Uh, what's Indiana Jones doing with Jackie Robinson? I don't understand this movie. I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like Harrison, uh, cut. That's uh, that's not in the script at all. <laughs> way off. You're way off. Um, Tommy Lee Jones does a walk on. Put that back down. Care. Cal, if you uh, final thing on this, guys, I'll go around the table. No table here. It's the big round table. <laughs> the big round table in my 
in my mind that we're all sitting at. Having a drink nice. Is it dimly lit? It is dimly lit. Smoky? It's gimly lit. What are we going to hear about the Nutramilk Hotel? That's what, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. I want to wrap up the Michael Sam uh, thing, though. I want to put a bow on it nice. So, like, like, a uh, gay, uh, like a big gay bow? Or that's correct. You? That's right. A big, huge. Or a big, big bow. What, 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 what are we talking about here? <laughs> he went there. I, you know what? I, I think that'll, I think that'll do it. I think All that right. will do it. I think we did it. Good job, everybody. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> All Yay! Right. So, uh, I just got mutual... a text from Jay Mafali. He's withdrawing his sponsorship. Hey, Linda, you got to talk to him. You guys are from Connecticut. You're, you know, your brethren there. Yeah, I got to tell him to get his yayas out. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple things, round robin style. I said something the other day, guys, uh, to Jay Mafali that he thought was the most amusing thing he's ever heard. Not that's an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of angry. <laughs> Jay Mafali plays this game where um if somebody says a sentence that has probably never been uttered in the English language before or that you could think of, they sort of try to do a few more after that. And he's done this for a long time. And it's really amazing how often that comes up. Like how often you'll say something and you'll just pause and you'll be like, no one's ever said that before. Congratulations. And I said, I said, um, I'm having a bad headphone year. What? what? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Say, say that again. I'm having a bad headphone year. <laughs> and so... At some point, I became obsessed with headphones for my phone, for my commute, for my iPhone. Uh, with uh, they, they don't fit correctly over the uh, in the ear. The ones that come with the iPhone, I have a problem with over the ear ones. I couldn't find ones that sounded good. They also need to be small because I use them for work and commuting. And uh, we're about to lose the live feed as I'm talking about this. And um. Not, by choice, not by time. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yeah, by choice. <laughs> no, by, by topic, actually. It's by, by choice. So anyway, I, I've bought, I've spent a lot of money. <laughs> and I keep, I bought like Bluetooth ones that I really liked, but they sort of broke and not happy with it. So I, and I'm, then the other day I finally found a pair that I really liked. They were wired. And I stepped on them as I was getting out of my car as I had them. I didn't realize they were in my pocket. I was getting out of the car in the snow. I stepped on them and I destroyed them. I'm having a bad headphone year. Like the year 2014 is a bad headphone Thir- year for you? 13. It's a season, really. It's oh, it's not a, a calendar year. That's right. It's more of a... Look, it's 2014. <laughs> it's time to take care of your stuff. It's more like September into... You know, it's like a hockey season like, right or now. Or like a school year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a bad school... I'm having a bad 13, 14 for headphones. Yeah. And so he he thought this was amazing. He just thought that was just like a great statement. Like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so I want to ask you guys. Now, Cal, you don't... You drive, right? We're going to lose the live feed. Thanks very much for joining us. Go to rtusports.com. 
uh, for the show and also go to iTunes and please download the show and subscribe. Uh, Jay, thank you for joining us live. Now we're going into penalty time. Penalty time? Overtime. Penalty kicks? What are we doing? Injury time. That's it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one. Wait, does that mean we can cuss or, or no? Oh, yeah. I got a bunch no, of gay oh, NFL here. jokes coming right now. <laughs> PJ, PJ, PJ's been holding all his... <laughs> it's also Valentine's Peach. Day now, so please just let loose. It's officially Valentine's Day and House of Cards yeah, Season okay. 2. House of Cards Season 2 oh. is now available, guys. Oh, I just saw the trailer. Yeah. Wait, but does, does Steve does not get iced in this, in this edition, though, right? I mean... You know, actually, the funny thing is, Jay, nobody knows... Uh, here in the listening audience that I'm in season two. Well, you get outed uh, like Michael Sam. I've just, I did did not get out in front of the story. You were a vanguard, sir. (laughs) Unlike Jeter and Michael Sam, I did not get out in front of this. (laughs) I just wanted to get you. He was coming out as a character actor on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's correct. Um, I am, I am, uh, hopefully, I was in the trailer, but that doesn't mean I'm in the episode. Um, in episode two of season two of House of Cards. So. Available now. Available now-ish. Well, I by w- the time people are listening to this, it will be available. It'll be out there. Right. No, it's 12.01. It's available right now. Yeah. In have fact, you seen it yet? I have not. No, PJ, have you seen it yet? PJ, did you download it? I don't care for television. <laughs> and I definitely don't care for Steve. <laughs> Wait a second. You don't care for television, but you're talking about the Olympics like you're my grandmother. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, I don't man. know if I'm comfortable working with a character actor on the podcast. I just, I'm just, wow. I want to put it out there. Wow, it changes the, the atmosphere. That's over the top. That's over the There's top. There's a lot of guys how, who lack like the call in. How, how, how dare you? Somewhere Jeffrey Tambor just closed his computer. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a... The last time I listened to that. Very quietly. Just closed his computer. How how dare you, sir? (laughs) Off my plane. Um, I'm just going to keep saying that. You're going to wax poetic about figure skating. But you're not going to own up to... Okay, all right. Let's see where this is going. The irony, um, man. I love the TV. Oh, yeah, I know. What, the, the unit? Like the actual box? <laughs> I, well, yes. Can we I talk about look... the Nutramilk Hotel, please? You're not, you're, PJ's not going to be welcome in a locker room with that one, either. Loving a TV. That's next. <laughs> you, you can't make it in an NFL locker room there, buddy. Sorry. Uh, Nutramilk Hotel was very good. Very good. I've heard of them. PJ uh, was was like a schoolgirl, and uh, no, he was. He was actually wearing a, a schoolgirl skirt and a <laughs> right. He had a Catholic school outfit on. Really weird. A big lollipop. You know what? And that wasn't even the weirdest outfit at BAM that night. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Jay, uh, I'll let I'll let PJ give like a real review uh, from this guy who wasn't all that excited to see it. Like, I was like, okay, I love that album, but I'm not going crazy to see, uh, uh, to see them. They were fantastic. They were really good. Yeah. I mean, they were very good. I mean, I guess, I guess that's what I'm curious about. I mean, if we, 
yeah, maybe maybe this is a a reflection of our growing older, but we've reached a point where there are bands that caught our attention for maybe five minutes during our youth. Yeah, that have decided that the only way we're going to be commercially, you know, we're going to like be able to pay the rent is to reform, and 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 the hotel falls into that category. I mean, they had one amazing album, and that was a long ass time ago. <laughs> and here we are, and they've gotten back together, and they're recording, and they're they're they're, they're performing live. And I'm just curious, you know, is, is it is it everything we thought it would be? Is it is everything you remember it was 10, 15, somebody years ago? It, it was... Did it, uh, did it grab you by the boo-boo? I mean, what happened? It, <laughs> it was, and I, I don't I think a lot of the crowd was like this. Um, the people who went to see this show were definitely really well-versed in the band. In other words, they weren't just people who liked the record... They were people who read a lot about Jeff Mangum yeah. and and his fragile genius, okay. and and his dislike of touring and playing in front of people, to the point where the place was really quiet, like reverent quiet. People didn't want to startle him. It was a house of two thousand people, and between songs, everybody just turned and quietly whispered to each other. There was no hooting or hollering. I mean, people got into the music. People were dancing. People were singing along. And then they would all reel it back in, like, okay, Jeff, good job. Don't leave. <laughs> do, do another one, please. Okay, he's doing another one. Great, I can relax again. I mean, Steve, didn't it feel like that? Uh, no, Steve. Well, well, Steve, Steve was was there, but what what did you think about it, PJ? <laughs> and well, Steve I mean, in the bathroom. I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but but Steve is a Decemberist apologist, right? So I mean, he, like 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 the hotel were a big influence on that band. So yeah. Well, there was there was something going on. I mean, there, uh, uh, Dr. E. Ray said it when he was there. The, 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 a certain part of the vibe was that people really thought that this guy, you know, had gone into hiding, you know, or, or had come back from the dead. It was as if Sid Barrett had been resurrected and decided he was going to do a few shows with the Floyd before he's going to disappear again. You know, people there had absolutely no doubt that this is probably the only Neutral Milk Hotel show that they're ever going to see. Right. There's no way this can can, can continue. He's, he's going to freak out again and leave. Yeah. That's not an unreasonable expectation because, I mean, it's been, it's, it has been about 15 or 16 years since they had done anything right i mean you know right and and he didn't didn't really give many interviews and he didn't want to be involved in people writing books about the band and it, but it's, it made for a really strange concert going experience because everybody was really joyful that this was happening and then also really 
you know, really tight about, like, you know, let's not go crazy in here. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was very, it was very interesting. Mm, sort of like if you went to go see a very temperamental com- comedian who was known for tearing into audiences, and you know, and 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 just blowing up on stage. You don't want to tick them off too much. If you go to see Chappelle and you get out of line, Chappelle's going to leave. Right. And you really leave, want to... He's going to tell you about how, you know, like, fuck, guys, I got paid tons of money to, like, say I'm Rick James, bitch, but I'm going gonna... right. <laughs> to... Sure. I melted down. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's 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 the parallel that I would give is is Jeff Mangum equals Chappelle. Well, I you know I mean I confess, total confession. I had never heard of them before I had listened to the Apples in Stereo, and I love okay. those guys. And, and that's the that's the only way I ever got plugged in a Nutrimoke Hotel, and and um, you know the fact that they got back together in the last. A year and a half was kind of cool. It caught my attention, but but it didn't latch on the way I'm sure it did for for hardcore fans like like you know. Well, we famously the, uh, the were the conspiracy. So you know, right. <laughs> we we were exposed to Nutrimilk Hotel by someone who was you know way cooler than we were back when they were like still together. And we eviscerated the guy because we didn't like the album at all. He put it on, and we were still in our, like, you know, classic rock, Pink Floyd, Steely Dan, you know, was everything type music. So, and he put on this stuff, and it sounded so strange that we just made fun of him until he took the disc out. And then flash oh, it, forward to... It, it, it's good stuff. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's, oh yeah, it's 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 like transcendent alt rock. It makes no sense on some levels, and in other ways, it, the music <laughs> is about everything. So I guess in, uh, until until any point in time in the immediate future when we actually hear from from conspiracy, that brings up a good point. He's around somewhere. He's around here somewhere. Neutral Hotel is probably a very good example of bands in the last five to ten years that have decided to get back together for the purposes of, you know, uh, reigniting their creative flame and, quite frankly, paying the rent. Mm-hmm. What are those bands? What, what bands? Peach, Notorious. What bands would you, would you pay top dollar to see reform in this day and age? From what era? From the 90s? Oh, let's just say, I mean, you know, we're roughly the same in the last like fifteen to twenty years. That's a good question. Well, see, I, I would still pay to go see Iron Maiden, um, but they but they've been touring, so does that really count? That's true. They they never really they only had brief periods of relaxation. <coughs> um, I mean, I guess the reason I'm asking is that. I, again, I don't profess to be an expert on, on a band like the Nutrimo Hotel, but those guys were, a, 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 you know, a comparatively obscure band that got back together, made a lot of people happy. In that in that vein, well, that, and they're also happy. a band that that 
accumulated their fan base mostly after they were done. Sure. Okay. They were only playing for 150 people a night when that album came out. And then suddenly, you know, magazines like Revolver and Mojo and stuff were ranking it as the number one alt-indie lo-fi record ever. Right. And people started to gravitate towards it. And now they know that they can sell out 2,500-seat halls. Okay, so, let's, so let, let, let's think about that category for a moment. What bands in that category would you, would you just, like, itch to see get back together? Pixies, maybe? Hmm. Excuse me? I like, I like me some Pixies. Interesting. But, but they are, but, but, the pixies, but the Pixies are back together without getting deals. Does that count or does that not count? For me, that counts. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> I can deal without a deal. Okay. Oh, I said it. Okay. <laughs> well played. Well done. Thank you. so many of them, you. anyway. Gin Blossoms, not so much. <laughs> We're back together. Cal just spit out his water, Jack, All right, Jack Tripper style. <laughs> Cal's got to hang up with us and call Ticketmaster right now. <laughs> Get me a ticket to Gin Blossoms. Any show, my, any night. I need my Gin Blossoms tickets, please. Any city. Oh. Well, you want to laugh? I did get a, a notification the other day that that uh, Better Than Ezra will be at Irving Plaza. There's a pre-sale oh, going on. Oh, that's Lord. beautiful. So I got that in my in my email. It was good living with you. Cli- are people clamoring to see them? Fishbone. It's a, pre- a pre-sale. I'd love oh, to go see oh, Fishbone go. now. Well, no, wait a minute. Fishbone. That, that's another story. Did you see um, the Notorious? Did you see the uh, the Everyday Sunshine documentary on Fishbone? I surely did not. Oh, you, you have that, that. That is that is an exercise in Netflix depression. If there ever was one, you have to check that out. Oh, okay. I would say uh, Living Color. You, you you'd run to a Living Color show? Absolutely. You yeah, oh, I would. Stop. What's wrong oh, with stop. Living Color? Oh, come on now. Wait, 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 wait. And whoa, wait. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! He's coming out as a character actor and a Living Color fan. <laughs> You're going to tell me Vivid's not a good album from like 1990? Vivid's a great record, but Vivid. I mean, you were talking about Fishbone. Vivid, like, Living Color ruined Fishbone. Well, that's not their fault. No, it is. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> they did it on I've purpose. I've lost the thread. Yeah. How are these two things connected? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I would go see li- the original members of Living Color. I'd pay to just see Will Calhoun play drums. What's wrong with that? Would you know? Okay. Yes. Right. Tremendous drummer. Okay. Right. Okay. I thought that they were excellent musicians that made a generally unlistenable band, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> me there's, 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 there is no comparison between Living Color. None. That's like that's like a Spinal Tap album review. Smell the glass. What I Vivid. thought about Mr. Big too. Vivid, a collection of wonderful musicians who have generally made an unlistenable album. <laughs> I give it. I give it two stars. Yeah, that's most of King Crimson for me too. But whatever. Everything. <laughs> okay, we got to wrap this show up. Enough. 
Crazy, you That's crazy it? guy. You just taking well, all the air out of the room? Fine. Well, I think I think un, only until we have the Linder and uh, Notorious PJ album hour can we get that. Can we get that RTU spinoff? That's Fine. a spinoff. I no, think. That, that would that would be like you know I, I don't know man that, that would be like the Ropers. That'd be bad. <laughs> With if PJ O'Connor went back on tour, I'd, I'd go see her. PJ, interesting. The Tortellis. PJ obviously wearing the moo in this equation. Why not? Oh, and then there's Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing a moo-moo. And then there's Vaughn. I love the way PJ just said, and why not? <laughs> like, complete comfort with the moo And only then it would make sense that he's wearing a moo <laughs> You know what, Linder? You've been with us the whole show. Give us a give us your final unload. Uh, you know, my final unload would be this. I want you to stay gold plenty, play, and uh, you know, I mean, just roll with it, baby. I mean, come on, you know, she, she's just retiring. It's all good. I think that everybody uh, listening in and who's a faithful follower of the RTU. Should just appreciate this moment in time. It's fine. It's okay. Because we're now about to fall into the abyss. It's all danger, people. You sound like you're talking somebody down down off an acid trip. No, it's bad. It's going to be very. Jay Linder or Dennis Hopper? What's happening? (laughs) It's the meaning of life. If it's the the word "if" is the middle of the of the word "life," and that and, and it's going to be bad, people. Wow. PJ final. That's magnificent, Jay. PJ final unload. You should watch the Olympics. You should watch as much no, of it as no. you can. You no, should no. watch it live. No. The Olympics no. is good for you. Go watch I, the Olympics. I am the Ray Milan to the PJ's uh, Rosie Greer, the two-headed man. Do not <laughs> watch the Olympics. <laughs> Don't watch. Turn on it's like no, right to turn on the freaking channel. It'll be fine. Watch I the and get the watch sad the out like, of you. No, 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 no. Watch the Canadians like scrambled snags. You don't want to watch this. Trust me. Cal, final unload. I'm gonna need. I'm going to need an audience with the two of you. Presenting the pros and cons of watching the Olympics and not watching the Olympics. <laughs> so I haven't watched Bring it, it yet. I'm not, I don't sweat you. <laughs> I haven't watched a minute of it yet, and I need either one of you to sell me on, on what the right thing to do is. So, well, You are welcome to come over to my house, because I've been DVRing the whole thing. Right, You're well, very far away. I'm DVRing nothing. <laughs> And it's I can like close. I can dominate. I'm I'm let, I'm I'm, let, I'm I'm ready to do this. This is gonna happen. Peach is going and, down. And my my final unload is an Olympic off. Um, <laughs> uh, five years ago on this night, I asked my wife to marry me, and uh, oh, she said she said she said yes. She bought it. Crazy. And, uh, and now she said yes, and we got married, <laughs> and it was really well, crazy. The great thing was it was an improv exercise, so she just was saying yes and. She said yes. <laughs> she, 
she's so well trained in she's so well trained in improv that she just immediately <laughs> kept it going, thinking that we were we were in some sort of <laughs> some sort of sketch. Uh, but anyway, five years ago tonight, uh, I was a very nervous, sweaty person with a ring in my jacket. And, That's beautiful. Uh, and and you're, you still are, right, and, five years and, later. And five years later, still sweaty. <laughs> and nervous. Sweaty and mess. nervous. <laughs> Good night, boys. Thanks. Watch Good. House of Cards. Notice that Steve's wearing seven T-shirts. That was the character choice. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>